Welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. Today we have a sassy blend of country blues, jazz, and rock with the Colin Trio. They're taking their sultry southern influences into the kitchen to make the luscious layers of something they call the real deal tuna melt. Definitely is a random thing and I've opened myself to receive the song whenever it presents itself. The rich vocals of songwriter Colin Hogan, combined with Brian Link on bass and Cheo Larcom on drums, led this trio to be named one of Portland's top 10 bands of the year by AXS.com. Is Southern Charm what binds this trio together? Does their music influence what they eat? Stay tuned and let's find out. So, hi guys. Yeah. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. I'm here with um, Colin and Brian um, of the Colin Trio. And as it turns out that they also use a jazz trumpet player, one of the best in town, Mr. John Dover. Hi, John. Hey, guys. And <laughs> we just finished his podcast of Him in the Kitchen. And uh, you can find that on uh, Marty's Music Kitchen if you're interested in finding out more about John. So at any rate, um, Brian, what are we cooking today? So I'm going to make a, uh, a tuna salad or kind of a tuna salad, but a tuna melt. Okay. And what I found is that um, I never really liked tuna salad, but yeah. I absolutely love good tuna. Uh -huh. You go into a restaurant, you get a tuna melt and it's just fantastic. And you don't, really? know, you don't know why. Uh -huh. And I realized because you get good tuna. And if you cook a tuna steak right and then turn it into a tuna salad, it turns out much, much better. Wow. So I got These this. Are, I, I've never cooked tuna. So this is like a whole new thing for me. And I'm really glad to, you know, be here to watch you cook it from scratch. These are really thick. Oh, yeah. These are great. I got these from uh, Ouijamaya okay. uh, out in Beaverton. And uh -huh. I find that they have some of the best seafood. Okay. Um, they, everything's fresh. You know, they, they cut this off a hunk that was about this long. You know, it's all ready to go. And it's kind of, and really by learning how to do this, this tuna melt, you're, you're really getting two things in one. So you're learning how to cook a proper tuna steak, because basically I'm going to cook it the way you would as if you were going to just prepare it as a pure tuna steak. And then I'm going to make it into uh, more of a tuna melt for a tuna sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I love... Are you um, hungry, Colin? Because yes. this is making me hungry. <laughs> yes. All right. Just and I love good tuna. I'm glad we're on the same page. It's a good thing. <laughs> so the first, perfect. first things first is the most important ingredient is... My cast iron. You know, I read this, um, that you emailed this to me earlier, and I'm like, really, sir? How old is this cast iron this, skillet? This cast iron is probably uh, close to 100 years old. That's what, it's, I thought I misread it, and now I'm realizing that. Oh, this <laughs> no, is like, this is serious. my. Oh, this is my prized possession. You know, wow. this is, uh, this has been through, in my family. It's been passed down. No kidding. It's been taken care of the whole time. There's so much magic in this pan. Everything that comes out of it is good. And you'll notice how smooth it is on the inside. How did you. It's just been years and years. Okay, tell me the secret. Do you season it every once in a while? Do you season it a lot after every, you know, meal? What do you do? Well, every time you clean it, you reapply the oil. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gets that base layer. And sometimes when you cook something a little bit messy, then you really do have to clean it really good. Yeah. And then you reapply the, the, um, the, the oil on there. And sometimes if I really clean it good, which I do every once in a while, I like to be relatively sanitary. Okay. And uh, yeah. I'll um, put the oil on there and then I'll bake it in the oven for four hours at about 200, 250 degrees and really let that oil kind of soak into. Right. Uh, the pan and um, so a lot of you know what I why I wanted to do this was you know proper cast iron kind of technique and what a lot of people get wrong with cast iron is they don't realize that this needs to be preheated 
We're so used to uh, you know, aluminum where you can just stick it on a hot surface and it's good to go. With cast iron, before I even start seasoning this, I'm gonna go ahead and get this on the oven and get this warmed up and get okay. it nice and, nice and moving. Yeah, um, so you're putting a little olive oil in there? Yeah, I'm gonna put some olive oil in there. You know that the pan is ready when it just starts to smoke just a little bit. Then you know you've gotten a little, that right temperature. It was John, uh, John's podcast, um, where I learned that different oils have a different smoke content and I didn't know that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Before, so. And this is a, um, just an olive oil, uh, pretty mild one. And so it has a little bit lower of a smoking point than say like a vegetable oil or canola oil. Um, and there's a neat trick too that if you want to know how hot your oil is, you can throw a couple, piece, a couple of kernels of popcorn in there. And you know that your popcorn is going to pop when it gets to a certain temperature. Have you been cooking like your whole life? If that pan's been handed down in your family for, you know, generations, have you, like, have you always had an interest in food? Um... I don't know when I really started getting into it. Um, I just like the process of it, you know? It's just, it's all chemistry and physics and you just know how hot things are. And I think I got into it from doing barbecue. You know, I love doing slow smoke barbecue, barbecue. The gateway to <laughs> cooking. <laughs> and I thought about doing barbecue because most of my friends know me as the guy who makes the North Carolina pulled pork. But that takes six hours, and I figured that won't really fit into a, so uh, a podcast. are you guys from North Carolina? We're from Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long have you been in Portland? Uh, we've been in Portland for 10 years. Wow, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good amount of time. Yeah. yeah, we've been here for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I say North Carolina with the barbecue because their pulled pork barbecues, it's the best in the world. So, you know, it's... Whether you're from North Carolina or not, it, it's kind of the way to go. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I hear that a lot. Oh, it's the best. It's the best barbecue. Yeah. I think that we should have like a state to state, 50 state competition and find out really what state does have the best barbecue. You know, I think it's I can I be think a judge. It really depends <laughs> on go. what you're, you're getting, though. I mean, I would say Austin's got the best brisket. You know, maybe St. Louis might have the best ribs. Okay. You know, so I think you'd have to travel around to find each one. So, so you got a big hunk of tuna, mm -hmm. and you sliced off. I'm gonna say those are about an inch, yeah. uh, inch thick steaks out of it. Mm -hmm. And then I just watched you pour olive oil and kind of rub it in on both sides. Mm -hmm. And now comes the pepper. And now comes yeah, okay, kind of the olive oil will help it stick a little bit. Also, what I did before then was I took a towel and made sure I pat dry everything. Right. You don't want to ever put water into your your oil. You know, okay. and so a lot of people. Is that they, a cast iron thing? No, that's just in general. Uh, it'll splatter right. if you if you do that. And so um, a lot of people will make the mistake in like say if you marinate something like a steak, and then if you don't pat dry it before you put it onto the pan, you're you're basically steaming your steak instead of searing it. Huh. And so and what I'm doing right now, this whole procedure is exactly what you would do with a steak. And I actually learned how to do this. We had a good friend and she was dating a chef that was from New York and uh -huh. he came and he had his bike with him and he needed some bicycle work. And he is a fantastic cook. And I told him, I'll fix your bike, but you got to teach me how to properly use this cast iron and make, you know, make fish as good as what you're making for me. And so that's this that's whole a, technique was that's from, a great trade. from him. Oh, it was You were super, great. he's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll let that go for a little bit. Um, and then what I'm also going to do, so I'm still waiting for this to heat up. We're just, we're waiting for that little bit of smoke to come up. So this is another uh, kind of an hors d'oeuvre. Whenever you go to somebody's house and you want to make something really good, uh -huh. and you're, you're like, well, you don't want to like bring it and then it's cold by the time it gets there. You want something quick and, and gourmet and you can make it right there. 
clams. You know, making steamer clams are fantastic. All right. And the, I call these Cousin Mikey clams because Cousin Mikey this, told me how to do it. There's got to be a story there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Cousin, I mean, the only story is that Cousin Mikey showed me how to make clams. Okay, so tell me, where did you get these? I got these at Ouija Maya as well. These are little neck clams, uh -huh. um, and these are actually from right where we grew up. So these are from Virginia. These are right from the uh, eastern shore, right off the coast of Virginia. So do they freeze them? Oh, no, they're alive. They're, oh, okay. Oh, they're still living. These came right out of the fish tank. Wow, <laughs> out of the fish tank. Yeah, right out of the fish tank. And then when you get them home, you want to take them out of the bag because you leave them in a bag, plastic bag, they die because they suffocate. Oh. So you take them out of the bag, you scrub them real good, and then you put them in your fridge with uh, a wet paper towel so they're still alive, they're still fresh. Okay. And um, they're not very happy with me because I'm going to kill them. Sorry, guys. <laughs> your sacrifice is appreciated. Okay, and then when we do clams, this is where Budweiser comes in. Okay, so we do a whole... Well, all right. Okay, so That's wait, a, what are you doing here? I'm putting a whole bottle of Bud in there. Of in the hot pot in a saucepan that in you've saucepan. been heating on. What temperature do you have that going on? It's on about medium. We're going to get it to a nice boil. All right. And then we're going to cut up a couple little slices of, um, of lemon. Okay. If you don't want to squeeze them, just drop them on in there. And then we've got about maybe two tablespoons of minced garlic. Okay. Um, you can use the stuff in the jar. I minced it because, you know, this is a cooking show. We want to make it nice. Yeah, and it's then, so nice of you to do that. And so, as I mentioned, we're from the South. So we measure butter <laughs> by the stick. Okay, wait a minute. Not by the South tablespoon. South equals butter. Lots of is butter. That, what is that if what you, I'm if, reading? If you want to make it better, just put more butter in it, right? All right. We're going to put a whole stick in there. The whole stick. Got to have it. <laughs> So that's beer, lemon, and butter. And then and garlic. a boatload of butter. Garlic. We have, and garlic. Old Bay seasoning. Old Bay. My Th favorite. Gotta have, you know, it's, it's weird. You kind of have to look around to find that's around here. You know, in Virginia, you couldn't go into a convenience store that didn't have Old Bay. But, but around here, I, I think it took two different grocery stores to find it. But this is, this is classic, you know, North Carolina, Virginia seasoning. I made a, I made a chicken corn chowder last fall and it called for old bay seasoning and now i found it and now i can't get enough of it and oh, actually i think fred meyer carries it yeah i think i i can't remember i think i might have gotten it from there and i would say i probably put a tablespoon and so we're gonna that's gonna melt and it's gonna come up to a boil um and, right. and then and then we just dump the clams in there and the cool thing about doing this clams this way is that it is like start to finish no more than 10 minutes you know, it takes no time at all, and then they're really good. And then that sauce, you keep the sauces where the magic is. And so that's why we have the baguette here. So you cut up the baguette and you dip it in the sauce. Now, there's some people who are a little squeamish about, you know, shellfish and clams and stuff, but you can always get them to dip a little corner of bread in there. They taste all that garlic and I'm, all that old bay. And I'm so like impressed. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I really, from when I read, the, I thought the clams were going to be on the tuna melt. I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was like, well, that's going to be an interesting sandwich. I can't wait to try it. I'm glad I'm your game. mind is that open. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a show yet where there, someone cooked something I didn't like. So this is great. I'm, we'll, we'll I'm see really how we go. super impressed. might be impressed. your first one then. <laughs> I'm super impressed. So we're getting that. That's kind of warming up. And then once that starts to boil, we'll dump those in there. And then as soon as they open up, they're, they're done. Okay. So, so back to the cast iron. And I can actually see smoke. Just, uh, that's perfect right there. So right, we're only going to do three. Around. I'm going to sear this for later. That's going to be dessert for me. Tatake mm -hmm. for dessert. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have tuna for dessert? Normally, like tuna, you know, okay. you should eat it raw, raw or barely cooked. So this is... 
And then it's always best to kind of, as you put something in the, the pan, you kind of put it so it's folding away from you, so it splashes that way and not towards you. And what's really cool is you can see um, that it's that that yeah. color is starting to yeah, work that, its way up. That's pretty fast. And yeah, it doesn't take long at all. Huh. And then um, what we're going to do is once we sear both sides, it's going to go in the oven. Now um, the the cardinal sin here is that I'm going to overcook these because for tuna salad, you want it all the way cooked. Okay. Normally, I still want it really pink on the inside and just seared on the outside. If you're going to slice it up and serve it. If I'm going to slice it. it up and serve it that way, if you're going to do a, a, a real tuna steak that way. Right. But when you do it um, for, for this, for the tuna salad, you want it all the way cooked. This works great on the grill, too. You get a lot, a lot of smoky. And um, is this how you, is this what you learned? Did you learn this from the guy who you mm -hmm. fixed his bike? Yep. So now, tell me a minute, you fix bikes mm -hmm. for a living. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, you're, you guys are a full-time band. I mean, you guys are everywhere, which is great. We, we do all the things. <laughs> and then you also Yeah, I business. own a, I, I um, run a, uh, a concierge-style bike repair service called Bellofix, and I, I go to people's houses, I fix their bike on the spot at their house so they don't have to drive it to the bike shop and, and wait a week and all that. We just do all the work on the spot. I have a gigantic Sprinter van with an entire shop built into it. Uh, definitely, like, first class. and. And uh, I've been doing that for a few years now, and that's uh, super fun. And it's great because it works with my musician schedule as being really flexible. Yeah. So if I play a gig until 2 o'clock in the morning, I don't have to, I might not take appointments until 12 or 1 in the afternoon. Very smart. Um, you know, um, that's uh, for listeners who are listening outside of the beautiful city of Portland. You know, Portland is a huge bike town. In fact, um, my production coordinator, she's here today, and she bikes everywhere, all over town. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people just use that as their main form of transportation. And Also, um, your featured songwriter bike commutes everywhere all the time. Really? Yeah. You do too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bye bike. Mm -hmm. You know, I know a great bike repairman who'll bring his van <laughs> <laughs> That's like I hear you can kick a, a hell of a tuna steak, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know that yet, but, you know. All right. We'll see. Uh, yeah. It remains well, to be seen. So, do you, do you, does he make dinner for you a lot? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. I do time. the part of getting hungry, and he does the part of making the food. Wow. That, you know, being hungry is sometimes the hardest job. <laughs> really good at it. it. Happens, like, every 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Colin, um, are you also a yoga teacher? I am. That's super cool. That helps me get hungry. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's your job. So, um, mm -hmm. I should mention that we, uh, you have a third person, a drummer, uh, Cheo. Yes. Cheo, uh-huh. And uh, he's not here today. He's not here today. So what do you teach? Oh, um, I, I am at Namaste on Williams. Um, I teach at Drishti. I'm at a, a few different studios actually, so a little bit all over the all over Portland at the moment. Oh, that's really cool. When my sister calls me, she says, "How's Colin's traveling yoga circus going?" And I say, "Oh, <laughs> it's going great." Or I say something like, "Oh, I'm really tired and busy right now," or something ah, like that. You know? Yes, I understand tired and busy, <laughs> uh, but you know, all in a good way. I'm uh, I'm personally really happy to be tired and busy. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How long have you been writing music? Um, since I was five. Five? Yep. No? Okay, do you remember the first song you wrote? Yep. Okay, what is it? Uh, well, I mean, it's... So I started taking piano lessons when I was five, and um, I remember it, right when I joined I, the studio, they were getting ready for their yearly or seasonal or something um, recital. And they said, well, would you like to pick out a song to play at the recital out of your book? And I was like, 
no, I wrote my own. I'm going to play mine. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I'm like a new student and I'm five, you know? And they're, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play my own song. And they were like, okay. Uh, okay. Like, uh, Do you remember it? No. <laughs> Dang, I was going to have you go over there and no, play No, I mean, it. I don't remember the exact song, but I do remember like being in this giant giant church and this huge piano and like I just remember walking from all the way from the back up to the grand piano and then and then looking in the it's funny looking in the program because it, it would say like the person who's playing the song they're playing and the composer right so it said Colin Hogan whatever the song was and Colin Hogan and I was like <laughs> And that was it you but you knew oh I yeah mean, I knew. knew I knew since I was little I mean I always what do you want to do I want to write music and share it with the world that was always my thing and, and I didn't, that wasn't even like, I mean, I didn't sing. I didn't do anything other than just play the piano for years, you know. And did you guys, I'm assuming that you played um, in, um, in the South when you were there, Virginia. Uh -huh. Yeah. What made you decide Portland? Um, well, we wanted to move somewhere where there was a music scene. And we had been here and played a bunch of music and loved the scene. Um, we also wanted to live somewhere where it was bike friendly because I commute my bike. Yep. Um, we wanted to live somewhere where it was a little more free spirited and open minded and progressive. <laughs> well, you got that right. Portland hit the hit the jackpot on all. Yeah. Those so we just thought we would move to the bubble of Portland <laughs> that we've realized that we're in now. So yeah. that was great. And I mean, plus like Brian's in the bike industry and. I'm in the yoga, so it's like all the things. Like we can, I can teach yoga for a living. You can fix bikes for a living. We can play music for a living. Let's go. Yeah, it's like the mm -hmm. ultimate. It's like the ultimate life. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's great. So you guys have a you have an EP out. We have a, a full length album and an EP. Uh -huh. uh, we're working on uh, mixing down a live album that we already recorded. Okay. So we're really excited about that, and uh, and we're also playing in half the bands in Portland. No. <laughs> yeah, we, we end up working as backing musicians for a ton of other groups. So there's just so many wonderful opportunities to play with great musicians in Portland, which is good because I just love learning songs and, you know, helping write songs and moving forward. And, yeah, I know another musician, John Dover, who uh, you see him everywhere with a bunch of different groups. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, when you're a musician, it's like if you play with three people, then you're a trio. If you play with four people, then you're a quartet. And if you have a whole band, then you're a band. It's funny you should mention that because, you know, we've been the Colin Trio now for years. And, um, and then we found John. And so now it's like, well, what are you now? Colin and the trio or Colin Trio with John Dover or, you know. The trio plus one. Yeah. I think Colin Quartet. Still, you you know. know what I think? I think you're still the Colin Trio. Because if that's what you, yeah. if that's the name you go by. Totally. Right. I know. It's I just mean, funny when you're up on stage and you're saying, thanks for coming to the show. We're the oh, Colin yeah. Trio. Yeah. And there's four of us. And I know you can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so. See, there's the humor. And yeah. that's funny. That's because I thought, right so while we've been uh, <laughs> talking, you've been busy. You've been slicing bread, the baguette. Um, you got out two kind of fresh Kaiser rolls. Yeah, get the Kaiser rolls for the And for the you milk. cooked the clams. Oh, there's that quick. That's why I love bringing these to people's houses is that you really don't, you it don't, took nothing to do that. Like a minute? Yeah, I think it was about four minutes altogether to, minutes. Uh, to uh, the actual cooking. And so, yeah, 10 minutes from the time I pull a pot out okay, until I'm, you're, you're I ready. just want to smell. <sighs> that smells good. Old Bay seasoning, lemon, beer, and butter. And garlic. Oh, and garlic. Yeah. All right. Garlic. Don't forget the garlic. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed that. Okay, and let's just, just do a quick check-in on the tuna steaks. Yep, they're just about done. I think, you know, 
You flipped them. I did. Flip, I flipped them before I stuck them in the oven. Did you take them off the heat? Or are you just cooking from the ambient heat of the pan? No, I'm actually cooking from the uh, oven. Oh. Once you flip them, you want to get that oven going to about 350 or so. I'm going to crank it up a little bit more, and then usually about six minutes in the oven at about 350 to 400, and then they're they're cooked all the way through. So, um, Brian, do you write as well? Nope. I. Um, I help to arrange stuff and I like to take little nuggets of ideas and to kind of piece them together and bridge gaps between different things. But um, as for a pure uh, idea generator, no, that's not me. That's, that's, that's my that's job. Her. That's college. Because she knew at five that that was, that was yes. the deal. Yes. Okay, so Colin, I mean, clearly if you've been writing that mm -hmm. long, I yeah. mean, you must have like... I don't know, like a case, like a, a Tons of steamer songs. trunk of songs. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know. Do you play them all of the Colin Trio or? No, I mean, it's more of like an evolving collection that is current for now, you yeah. know, so. Huh. And the only thing sad about writing a new song is that one other song gets the boot because I you know only have, you know what I mean? You only have but so much. Yeah, when I do my shows, they're a mix of jazz and originals. Uh -huh. um, and I haven't done a show in a long time now, but um, because the podcast took over my life. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm always sort of, you know, I have to read the crowd, you know, I feel like, okay, what kind of a place is this? What one of my originals is gonna go with this crowd? What, yeah. you know, what do I think? Is it more of a straight jazz crowd? Are they, you know, can they handle the jazz pop? And so that's how I pick one of, which one of my little children are gonna be <laughs> in the show and which one has to stay at home that day, so. It's funny you say that. Somebody asked me the other day if I had kids and I said, I said, no, I, I, have, I have a dog. And I think I said, I have a dog. I do. I have a little schnauzer named Klaus. Um, I think I said I have a dog and a whole lot of songs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, be my I also have a dog and two cats. My dog is named <laughs> Tesla. My first song, okay, this yeah. might date me a little bit. Um, it was to enter the Sean Cassidy competition, songwriting competition. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a while ago. But you were also five, so. Yeah, I was five. No, I wasn't. Uh, but you know, I wasn't so far off. I was like, you know, probably eight. Yeah. But I remember sitting down and you know, writing out my big my note, my handwriting, my notation. Then my I had these big fat notes, uh -huh. you know. And as uh, for people who don't know, when you handwrite or you sketch something, you know, everybody's it's just like handwriting. All the music is different. You. Sometimes you big fat notes or little skinny ones uh -huh. or just pencil marks. Mm -hmm. And now when I write, I mostly use my computer. I sit down with my laptop beside me. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Um, I still handwrite small pieces of the melody, like if it's something specific. Yeah, um, and then I record on my phone and then I write the lyrics down and I write the chords down. So it's sort of like a, a mix of all the things, you know. Yeah. So you play piano. Mm -hmm. um, and what does Brian do? He plays bass. And you play something else as well? I play guitar. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing the hand signals from John over here. He's <laughs> doing this. That either means guitar or bass or, uh -huh. I don't know, ukulele. But mm -hmm. um, when I took, I took piano lessons, um, piano is my main instrument, well, voices too, but I took piano lessons, lessons since I was like three uh -huh. uh, for my mom because she was a music teacher. Oh, cool. and the first thing she did was took me and put me on the piano bench. Uh -huh. um, and um, I played all the way through college. Yeah. For the first... 10 years or so that I was at that one studio that I started at. We, we did, they 
they had us do all the competitions. So we did like the Piano Olympics and the Federation and the PMTA and all the things like that were, of, yeah. I guess, of the region. So I was in Guild and all these things that I always had to prepare things for. And part of it was like theory tests and the, the scales that went with your songs that you were going to perform. And then, you know, you had to like know more than just your... So you entered competitions as a piano player? Mm -hmm. Was yeah. it like classical? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. Um, all right, name some of your favorite classical composers. Well, I'm partial to Beethoven for sure. Beethoven. And I got to study, I mean, I'd studied him in college and how he helped to evolve the piano becoming an instrument, you know, because it was being developed during his lifetime. And I don't know, I mean, that's so, it probably sounds cliche, but definitely. No, not at all. My favorite is Mozart, I, but. Uh, yeah, and I do, I do like Clementi and Mozart with the cleaner, oh, yeah. the cleaner, but, more mathematical kind of stuff is always yeah. very um, tactically pleasing, you know. Right, and then I'm also a Bach fan. Nice. Well, so we're walking back over here okay. because um, we, you took this out of the oven mm -hmm. and put them back on the stove. I did because I wanted to brown them a little bit more and the oven wasn't quite hot enough for me. Okay. So I want to make sure it gets all the way done without burning. But normally you would have just left them in the well, oven. Normally I would have just left them in the oven until they're, they're ready to cook or okay. ready to, to, to break it. up. You know, I noticed they shrunk a little bit. Yeah, they do shrink and then you get that nice brown coloring on there, and that's kind of what you're looking for, because you don't want it to burn, but you want it to get that, that nice brown sear on it. So this is an olive oil, and it just has pepper on it. It just basically. has pepper. Now, the reason I don't put salt on it is because, like I said before, I don't want there to be too much water and moisture, and the salt will draw out the moisture from the meat. And so generally, I don't really salt it until after I take it off. I never thought about that. Uh, yeah, because I don't want to pull any moisture out of it. Mm. Um, and that's probably a bigger deal with steak um, than it is with, with tuna, but mm -hmm. um, I found that it helps keep things crispy. Mm -hmm. Well, it looks delicious, and it's getting all brined up, so that's... It's just, yeah, it's just about done. And I have no feeling in my fingertips that I'll never do that. So you're flipping steaks with your hand, and that's why... Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess I, my calluses are thick enough on my fingers that I don't feel much in my fingertips anymore. Yeah, you and my brother. My brother is also a bass player. Oh, yeah. yeah. He cooks all the time. Well, I love to cook when I when I have time. I, unfortunately, as a musician, I don't... Usually, dinner time is at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so you're not really into cooking. And you do get sick of eating at bars yeah. all the time, pub yep. food. I don't make any pub food at home. Yeah. You know? um, and, uh, but then sometimes you get to eat at really nice restaurants yeah. that you play at and uh, you find something that they made that you really like and you try to try to figure out how I can make it when I get home. And, and maybe that's why I love to cook is because it's more special because it's not every day. Mm. You know? Well, so Brian, what's your musical background? Well, when I was a kid, I was very terrible at sports. <laughs> so I had to find... Is that, uh, that's your music reality? That's my, that's my reality. I had to find some way of picking up girls. So uh, I played saxophone. This is the comic relief part. Yeah. Okay, I get it. So I played saxophone, and I, I played that all the way through college. Uh-huh. Uh, and I wasn't a music major, but the, the school was really cool, and the, the jazz director let me play in all the jazz bands and everything, even though I wasn't a music major. So who, what, what school did you go uh, to? Christopher Newport University. What is it? Christopher Newport. It's in Virginia. Okay. <laughs> is that where you went as well? Um, no, I went to Randolph-Macon, which is about an hour away from there, ah. Richmond, yeah. And so, yeah, I did that, and all my formal training was on saxophone. And I got to play saxophone all the way through college, and I loved it. Uh, but when I graduated, I was ready for something different, and I started playing bass. I had always played guitar, because everybody plays guitar. Um, and uh, 
and kind of just realize that my real passion was for the bass, and I really love that. And I wish I would have started on bass, but I'm so thankful that I got all the formal education that I did on, on saxophone. I think all of that, all of that time and all the jazz bands, uh, what a unique, great experience to teach you about the structure and the harmony and you know what you can do, especially if you're switching over to bass when you've got so much more freedom of what of the baseline of laying a baseline down oh, for yeah, a tune, yeah. you know. I think the biggest thing is just being able. I've always enjoyed playing with other people. That's always been my forte. I've never wanted to be a solo artist. I, I to, for me to be up front on stage uh -huh. would I would panic and I would die. Really? Yeah, I would. I like I, if I had to sing in hey, front of people, Tom, I would just die. Mental note. Don't put him in front on stage. <laughs> I won't. No, I hide I in the back it. and always <laughs> love playing on stages and I don't get any stage fright, but if I ever had to actually like play my own song or sing, I would just fold up and panic and die. Yeah. Uh, but I, could, I love backing up everybody else. Right. And even when I first started playing music, I had no aspiration to be some sort of rock star. I just wanted to be in the band that was behind the, the rock star. And so it's uh, that's worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, I always had a problem not being in charge. So uh, yeah, what I do just fits me, just great. <laughs> so you know, when I play a new song um, on stage, um, it's like the first show you're kind of shaking the, the bugs out, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I need to make a note on that. Oh, mm -hmm. need to need to do that. And then by the second show, it's much smoother. Maybe I've rearranged it a little bit. Um, and you know, maybe did a different intro or ending or different backup singers or whatever. And pretty much by like the third time I performed it live, then we're starting to get somewhere. Do you have that same experience? I think so, I think it's similar. I think it's always, um, I mean, I feel like the more time that goes by, the more people are, are in my band, you know, mm -hmm. the more people I'm playing with. So it's always like, that's part <laughs> the of the road plus of, one plus two. of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's always, sometimes I get a little, too nervous the first couple times. You know what I mean? I'm so excited to play the, sh the new song and then it, I'm thinking too much. Ah. You know, but, but also then uh, sometimes the first couple times are more magic because you're not thinking too much. You right. Know? Right. So yeah, but I, I can get down with that. You know, you're shaking out the bugs and then it starts to feel good, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, catch me up over here. What's going on with the food? So what I've done is, well, you know, with fish, is when you take it out of the cooking or whatever, it, it still continues to cook. Um, so you always like, whenever you're cooking fish, you want to take it off early because it's, when it sits there, it's still cooking, even though there's not. I so this, I want to, I want to halt the cooking right away. Uh -huh. And so I've actually broken it up and put it in kind of a cool metal bowl. And I'm gonna let that kind of cool down a little bit before I add the mayonnaise. Cause I don't want it to thin it out too much with, with that. Okay. Um, and, and then I add a little of, bit of salt. And you chopped up all those beautiful steaks. I know, it, it hurts. The first few times I did that, it like oh, hurt my man. soul to do that. And I did, I tried a bite and it is good. So <laughs> you had to try it the whole time, you know. And I added a little bit of salt in there. And I'm just gonna let that, you know, kind of toss that around, let that cool a little bit. Okay. And what I love about doing this too is that we usually will do this in a big batch and then you can put it in the fridge and it just stays good for a while. And if you, you're, you're only home for a minute or you're coming home really late at night, you can, you can come back to it. Um, and also something I forgot to mention about the pepper, um, you know, you always kind of want to grind your pepper as soon as you're going to use it uh, because you have to think of it in terms of coffee. You know, you always grind your coffee beans right before you brew it. So then mm -hmm. all the flavors come out and it's the mm -hmm. same way with, with pepper. I've got the little grinder here, but when I'm really working, uh, I use a coffee grinder. 
and I'll grind it in the coffee grinder and use all my spices that way. And, and then they're so much more flavorful when you... Do you have like a little coffee grinder dedicated to spices? No, I just clean it out. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't say I drink that much coffee. This tastes like so. coffee. I don't understand. <laughs> Brian makes some funky coffee. Yeah, yeah awesome. right. <laughs> well, the weird thing is, I got this spice in this coffee. Is all right. So what do we? So I see I'm... you've opened a can of Vlasic dill relish. <laughs> and so also I've got some mayonnaise, and it's real mayonnaise. The real none of this miracle no, whip. There's no this. miracle whip, no veganese. Okay. It's the real deal. Real deal. Got it. <laughs> and so I'm kind of adding some of the mayonnaise in there. I do a little bit at a time because you really don't want to over mayonnaise. You know, um, probably did about a tablespoon you or so. You did not put a lot in there. No, I usually, I don't use a lot. Just um, enough to kind of give it a little bit it. of something, something. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. I don't on. like it to be too soupy. You and know, then, I like it to be a little bit more dry. And then we'll do... Um, some of that too. Some of that, meaning some, some of, of the, the dill relish. Some of the relish. Uh, and then we usually go with some, some different spices, uh, just to, you know, however you happen to like it. I brought some Old Bay, because I have it, and I love Old Bay on everything. Um, and then I have some, um, some powdered chipotle. Okay. Um, and that kind of give, give, give it a little, little spice. Okay, uh, a little and kick. Then, and then this, this part happy. you kind of have to do you know, a little bit at a time and keep tasting it and see if it's if it's right or not. You know, All right, um, so now as far as the dill relish, it's uh, like three forkfuls. Three forkfuls, probably like a healthy tablespoon, and we'll see what that looks like. It's all about making sure that there's enough going around. Sometimes I'll chop up a sweet onion and put that in there as well. Yeah, a lot of times I cook by color, and that's kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. See, like, does it have the right... Texture. And then That's what I do when I cook soup. I usually use a little bit of yellow mustard, um, mm -hmm. and really just for the acidity uh -huh. that's in there. You could probably just use like a red wine vinegar, just like a little bit of that or something. Yeah. But, so you get, yeah, now you're getting the texture just about right. You know, you don't want to, not going to go nuts with it. And then we'll do a little shake of this. Although it's going to be kind of spicy because I use a lot of cracked that's pepper. That's hit me. Um, chipotle, good. Yep. Sometimes I'll use a little Tabasco sauce too because that adds a nice vinegar. Mm -hmm. That should be just about there. Really, it's more about having good, starting with good tuna. I don't want to like put too much stuff in there and dress it up. Although this is the part where I always give Colin some, because she's gonna be the one that let me know if I got it right yet. Okay. And I can tell you what she's gonna say, right? I'm gonna tell you, wait, but okay. she can't listen. Earmuffs. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> she wants more pepper. We'll All see. right, so Colin, the official uh, bringer of appetite and taste tester. Mm -hmm. Don't put that back in. Oh. What do you what think? What does it mean? I mean, it needs more pepper. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said she'd say. She's yeah. going to say it needs more pepper. I'm just going to put a little yeah, just, might... just a little bit. Yeah, not just, too much. Don't kill Yeah. I always like, if I want to make Colin like something, yeah. I just take the normal amount of pepper and then yeah. quadruple it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, what's next? Okay, so now it's pretty much done and you can, I mean, I, I am not above sitting on the couch and eating that with a spoon, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm gonna make it into a little sandwich. Okay. And uh, a little tuna melt, so. Um, Does this involve our pan again? This, well, no, this is gonna be um, just toasting it. Oh. Um, using the uh, broiler here. Um, this is also where I'm gonna make a very controversial statement. <laughs> okay. Ah, so normally, go. <laughs> normally, there would be tomato on this. Okay. I have yet to taste 
a tomato in Oregon that I would consider a tomato. Oh, man. I know. It's, oh, it's hard. I can't believe you just said that. There, I'm going to have to agree with that. There, oh, I'm sorry. Really? There's no, I, and I've, I've, I've tried it. Every, I go to farmer's markets. I get these beautiful tomatoes that look uh, so good. What, what, and you I, eat them what, and there's no flavor. Wait a minute. I, I, John is nodding. Do you agree with him? I'm laughing. And <laughs> these tomatoes are amazing and full of flavor and so delicious because it's hot enough to get the sugars right to make that thing full of flavor. All right, so this just means that I have to tour the East Coast yes. and I have and to get eat some tomatoes. tomatoes. Yeah, so you good. can get good tomatoes in New Jersey. Okay. Get oh, great yeah. tomatoes. I, don't have, you can get I can't them compare tomato to tomato if I haven't to compared, you know, I can't say. When so many people but tell me, like, whoa, you've just never tried my tomatoes, and, like, and then I tried them like. Pretty good tomatoes in Portland. I have to say, I really like tomatoes. I love that I live in a state where we can grow them easily. And um, well, you should just stick to these because you have access. To oh, you'll these. be ruined Don't ruin if you it by trying the ones you can't. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you go somewhere go else. Go to the East Coast and try tomatoes. Insist on flying to the East Coast in and then I'm like say, mid August and I'm eating gonna, nothing but tomato sandwiches hey, Colin, for a week. You guys wrecked it for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we actually had a friend. She did the most awesome thing ever. She grows tomatoes in her yard, and they are like the best tomatoes in the world. And she would, she brought us a on backpack the East Coast full. Yes. Yeah, on the East Coast. She's okay. in Richmond, Virginia. Right. And she brought us a backpack of tomatoes, and they were in all varying states of ripeness. So we had like today tomatoes, tomorrow tomatoes, and tomatoes that needed needed like you know three or four days. It was amazing. And it was the greatest thing, it and they amazing. tasted just as good as we remember. Oh. Wow. Uh, my mom will ship me tomatoes. Well, I'm interested to try the East Coast tomatoes now. So you're putting mayo on the... So I'm putting a little bit of mayo again? on Kaiser here. rolls. Yeah. yeah, I got, well, I change up the rolls. Usually I get wheat ones. This is kind of what they had. Yep. Um, and I put a little bit of uh, mayonnaise on there. Sometimes I'll mix some equal parts Dijon mustard with, with the mayonnaise. Okay. Just to add a little bit, you know, make it a little juicier. Okay. So basically all I'm really doing is toasting it. And we'll scoop some of this stuff on there. I was thinking, what, you're just going to toast the bread by itself? Well, I'll toast the top by itself. And then what I like to do is I actually toast the, the tuna first, and then I'll put the cheese on, and then I'll melt the cheese. But the tops of the buns are, are naked, so to speak. <gasps> and then I've got these, and they're, uh, they're cooking. And what I'm going to do is wait until those tops get, um, okay. get toasted. And you I'm put take the mayo... And the tuna on top, mm -hmm. and then the other ones you didn't put anything on, mm -hmm. which is you're referring to as the naked, the naked side, side of the buns. Um, and they're toasting real quick. We're toasting this naked. This is a great oven that I'm so jealous yeah, of. Yeah, uh, this is a. This is so much You know, I forgot mine. to mention, uh, we're in a borrowed kitchen in this amazing house. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just stunning. I mean, it's big and spacious and perfect for music, and the kitchen's gorgeous. And we're at this big kind of a. I don't know. I'm going to say it's like a uh, butcher block table and all of this food is spread out. Take those out. We're going to leave those aside for right now. And now we're going to go ahead and melt the cheese so on there. So you're taking the naked buns out. Yep. And you're pulling out what kind of cheese you got? Uh, I got some provolone. All right. I also kind of fold it over and then take some pieces and kind of like do this instead of just draping the whole piece of cheese on there because I'd rather it not Yeah, you want a pile of cheese in the middle. Yeah, I want, all the, I want to eat all the cheese. I don't want any of it wasted. <laughs> And this is where the tomato would come involved. Would you put the tomato underneath the under cheese? Under the cheese. Yeah. Definitely under the cheese and let that melt over the tomato and it'll heat up the tomato and all the juices from the tomato. I'm if insanely they had hungry. <laughs> It'll be done in 45 minutes, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, whenever I have friends over to, to eat my food, I'm like, don't come hungry because I'm going to be a while. Ah. Because I enjoy the process of cooking, not just getting it done. 
That's why I would be a terrible cook. I could never work in a kitchen because I don't have a sense of urgency. You know, I mentioned this on another show, but cooking for me is like a meditation almost. You must do, I mean, you must do a lot of meditation and yoga. Yeah. Same kind of thing though. I mean, you've got something as a, a tool for your focus. You know, you're just moving your body and you're thinking about what you're doing. Have you ever come out of, out I mean, have learning. you ever thought of music? Have you ever wrote a song when you're in the middle of yoga? Yeah, probably. I mean, not all the time, but you know, it, it definitely is a random thing and I've opened myself to receive a song whenever it presents itself, so. I love that. All random times accepted, yes. All random times accepted. Yeah. All right, so we've got this stuff. It's, uh, the cheese is getting bubbly under the broiler. Yep, and I'm gonna, and I, I go ahead, I don't cook it just until it melts. I, I actually like it to be a little brown. That's gonna- Nummy. Yeah, see, you get a little bit of toastiness oh. on there is nice, and that'll add a little yes. bit more flavor. Give it a little bit more of that, that toasty burnt flavor, which I like. Yeah, that's great. Well, Colin hates it when I call it burnt flavor, but I guess there's a technical term for that. Well, I don't know. Is Seared it caramelized? or something? Caramel? Caramelized. Yeah. Is that I what call you... it burnt flavor. Burnt I like fla burnt flavor. Is that the uh, technical term? There you go. That's burnt my flavor my technical of the cheese. Term. You know, I really like the burnt flavor of the cheese myself, so... All right, so then with the naked side of the buns, I just added a little bit of mayonnaise, and that's kind of, I just put a tiny bit on there. It's a preference, some, some people like more or less, and that's also where I would have mixed, you know, sometimes I'll mix the Dijon with the mustard, and, or the Dijon with the mayonnaise, and, ah. and do it that way. But yeah, now we just, they should be about ready. What about the clams? Oh yeah, the clams just, just dig in. And actually, we should have been eating these all along, but we were, we were talking, so. Exactly. We kept saying we were hungry. Yeah, and, and they're getting and cold, and like, normally no... you eat, the okay. clams you eat as soon so as they come off. I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna steal a piece of bread, because that's yeah. what you said, right? Yeah, you gotta dip oh, yeah. the bread in the sauce, because the sauce is, that's where the magic is. Okay, so I'm gonna take a, a I got the heel. That's the good part. Yes, it is the good part. So I'm putting this in this beer lemon sauce that we cooked the, the clams in. Oh, oh yeah. There's a lot of flavor there. Mm-hmm. Oh. Boy, that is. I'm just gonna dig right into one of these. Tremendously oh, good. I lost it. Oh, you lost a you clam. Ran away. And now I'm gonna pop a clam. I'm just gonna use my fingers because I'm just that way. Yeah, that's the way I normally do it. We just pass them around. I'm not. Mm. I'm not very formal. Wow. Uh, that's the stuff. That flavor is. And certain, and you can see how somebody who would be a little scared of clams could dip a bread into that sauce, and it's it's good. Well, the thing is that I can taste the old bay which mm -hmm. I really enjoy. I've really learned to enjoy cooking with that. And then I can also taste that the butter and the beer blend so well together. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, when I first saw him do it, I thought it was crazy, but then I tried it and I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is very good. <laughs> All right, so now I'm gonna try this okay. beautiful, the real deal tuna melt. Okay, here I go. Mm. Mm. It has a zing, a little bit of a zing. The, the, that's the, probably the mustard and mm. the little mm -hmm. smoky and... That's from the Chipotle. Wow, this is so good. And the cheese is just pulling apart. Oh, I was so hungry too. Maybe that's your secret? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you make, make you people make wait. wait and then... Mm -hmm. <laughs> we could end the show here, but I'm, I really want you guys to play and I know you're ready to play. Um, so I'm really hoping that since John's here, you guys might be willing to play something for us. Yeah, that'd be great. We yeah. um, we have a kind of a special song that we wanted to play. So when we do food like this at home, I do most of the cooking, but when it comes to baking, Colin does the baking. 
And really? She has, mm -hmm. And she has recipes from her grandmother. Mm -hmm. And she makes them the exact same way her grandmother made them. And makes some of the best cakes that I've ever had. Her chocolate cake and her, um, yeah, is just incredible. And so the song that we picked out to play is kind of about that. It's about um, her grandparents and, uh, and them and, and the cooking recipes and such. Oh, that sounds really terrific. So why don't we take a break? The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. All right, so we're in um, the beautiful uh, kind of a living room space in this gorgeous house that we're in, and you guys are all set up to play. John and um, Colin, what are we singing? Uh, brown Sugar. Brown Sugar. You want to tell me a little bit of uh, like how you wrote the song? Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, and um, my grandmother baked all the time, so I got to learn how to bake from her. And so I thought that since we were doing cooking show I could sing about learning to bake with my grandmother. I would say that that is the perfect pick. All right, well, let's hear it.
was a great song. Nicely done. Thank you. Good job. Good job. I love it. So, guys, thank you so much. This has been a, a delightful experience, and you are an amazing cook. <laughs> thank uh, you. I mean, wow. The tuna, the clams, I really, I'm going to go home and cook that myself. So, <laughs> nice. thank I'm you. really excited about that. So, it's not every day I get to play music in my apron. Yeah, I was kind of excited and, yes, about that. Yes, in your myself. apron, you can yes, curtsy. I have my apron people. on. It was right. wonderful. So, where can, they, uh, where can people find out about the Colin Trio? Oh, yes, um, thecolintrio.com. Okay. <laughs> Easy enough. With one L. Yeah. With one L. C-O-L-I-N-T-R-I-O.com. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So and you guys can go online to the end of this podcast. You can find the recipes there. And um, you can find it on OregonMusicNews.com and also on MartyMendenhall.com. So anyway, thanks so much. I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall. Do you like this podcast? Your support can make all the difference. Become part of the Marty's Music Kitchen family for as little as $1 a month. Find out how you can join the fun at patreon.com forward slash Marty Mendenhall. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time on Marty's Music Kitchen.